Are you looking to expand your brand this year? Want to make your business stand out above the rest? Well, there's no better way to grow than with your own podcast. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, a small business, or a massive company, you need a podcast in 2024. Podcast Plus is an easy and efficient way for you and your brand to join the podcast revolution. There's no better way to position your company as the go-to authority than with a podcast that showcases your industry knowledge, insights, and expertise. The studios at Podcast Plus are state-of-the-art with top-of-the-line production quality. And if you're just starting out, Podcast Plus offers professional script writing, editing magic, and can conceptualize your show, create your cover art, and get you ready to stream on all major platforms. We'll market your podcast as well, showcasing it on radio stations and digital streams across the country. Expand, enhance, and extend your company and brand and reach potential clients and customers 24-7. Find out more at podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. That's podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. Again, we are on the brink of another bit of this trickle disclosure, disclosure of UFOs, UAPs as they're called, and maybe some sort of interaction with an extraterrestrial race. I'm Jeremy Scott. We enter the month of November together on Into the Paranormal, somewhere between abnormal and paranormal and as we sit here a uh, night after halloween us intelligence agencies are set to deliver a summary of their report that they gave to congress on monday on halloween so we're supposed to get this summary and brian bender over at politico says by the end of the week he's been very very accurate when it comes to reporting on this he's been on the program and uh, that's what the information says, is that we should have that information by the end of the week. And so tonight we talk with Preston Dennett about what we know at the current day and age. Because NASA has released the members of their independent study on unidentified aerial phenomena. These will be 16 members. They began their work exactly a week ago. October 24th, and over nine months, they are going to study particularly unclassified data, reports that have already been made public. Many of them we could seemingly believe were included in the June 2021 report that was released by the ODNI, and uh, only time will tell whether that actually goes anywhere. But all indications actually are that it may just be part of the overall dog and pony show. Because I don't think that there is a single person listening 
to this show tonight. And by all means, if there is, well, there's plenty of people listening to the show. As the numbers from TalkStream Live indicate, I should have completed my thought. If there's anybody listening to the program who believes differently, I'd particularly be interested in your thoughts on this. But as it currently stands, I just don't believe that a nine-month investigation that is going to cost fewer or right around the $100,000 mark is going to make even a dent in what seems like is still a mountain to climb. So welcome back tonight, Preston Dennett, a UFO researcher who has been here probably close to a dozen times, it seems like, or close to a dozen times uh, over the course six or seven years that we've been doing this program. Preston particularly writes about many, many fascinating aspects of UFO cases, abduction events, and the kind. He's actually had several cases uh, featuring phenomena that I had never heard about before, and his latest book is no different. Not from here. It's a volume four edition of selected UFO articles. Now, what we mean by that is real stories of encounters that people have had with UFOs. And sometime, uh, sometimes with beings associated with those. So, Preston, welcome back. It's great to have you here. Thank you, Jeremy. Thanks for having me on. What is your sense on where we stand? NASA's putting this group together. It doesn't seem like they're putting a whole lot of time and effort into it. It may just be more of a show than anything. And we have this report uh, supposedly to come out by the end of this week but only a summary, a slight snippet of what Congress actually heard in a closed-door session on Monday. What do you say? Yeah, I would have loved to have been in that closed-door session. (laughs) I can tell you that. Um, You know, I'm of two minds about it. On one hand, this is huge. We We really haven't had any movement in official circles for decades upon decades. So this is huge. This is great news. But on the other hand, I'm not going to hold my breath that we're going to hear anything new. Congressional hearings this year were pretty much a joke. I mean, they flat out lied numerous times, demonstrably. I honestly think what we're seeing is not being done voluntarily by our government, but simply because if they don't do this, they're going to lose all credibility. People have pretty much decided that this subject is real. I think everyone knows, our government knows much more than they're saying. So if they do not start taking steps towards disclosure, they're basically going to lose all credibility, lose relevance, lose control of the narrative, which is the last thing they want. But yeah, I'm glad to hear them talking officially about this, forming actual study groups, actually saying the word extraterrestrial. Uh, But... uh, I don't know. Their track record on this subject is so bad that I'm just not holding my breath. I mean, I really don't think we're going to see a whole lot new. What is your understanding of what's to come with these briefings held in Congress? Because we know that there was some legislation that was passed last year that said Congress has to meet twice a year. And so we saw the first meeting in 
uh, May, and the second meeting was about five months later, that being on Halloween, the last day of October, about five months after their first meeting. So they've had two meetings this year. One of those was in front of God and everyone in the hearing that we all watched back in May. This one, a closed-door session, and now we'll get a summary of what was happened, uh, what took place in that meeting later this week. But then it is my understanding that come, you know, again, May or June of next year or sometime within the six-month time frame, we're supposed to get another public report like we saw back in May. Is that your understanding as well, Preston? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of buzz about this. I'm very curious to see how far they're going to go. Right now, all we've gotten is basically eyewitness reports of sightings and some very questionable films, officially. I mean, there's the leaked Tic Tac footage and others, but in that congressional hearing, they showed a tiny little glowing object. I expect we'll be getting more films. It wouldn't surprise me if they start talking more about having actual material of some kind. Uh, perhaps we'll, they'll even release a metal fragment. Because I know the Pentagon did allude to that at one point, saying that they have material from otherworldly vehicles, direct quote. So perhaps they'll go as far as that, but I highly doubt we're going to hear anything official on, say, Roswell. And if you remember in the congressional hearings, they were asked flat out about the Malmstrom incident of 1967, where... UFOs basically came down and shut down our ICBM missile, right? And what did they say? We have no reporting on it. That's ludicrous to think that. (laughs) Thank you, Mike Gallagher. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, honestly, really? You're the defense intelligence of the United States and you have no idea, no reporting on this? So this is why I'm thinking this is just another show. Like Project Blue Book was pretty much declared a official investigative body, and we now know it wasn't. Uh, so many Blue Book insiders, Jalen Hynek at the forefront, has basically bashed Blue Book and say that it was not interested in the best cases and actually pursued cases that had prosaic explanations. We know not so, even we we know even agencies like the CIA and higher agencies didn't even have access to some of the top cases as well, Preston. It wasn't just exactly. uh, it wasn't just a select number of individuals on a panel, right? Any cases that affected national security were rooted to the Air Technical Intelligence Command. Uh, Blue Book never saw them, so uh, I, yeah, Blue Book said that there was absolutely nothing to it. If you think you saw a UFO, you are deluded. You are lying, hallucinating, or misperceiving. Uh, So that was the official policy for a very long time. And that's where we are seeing a change, a 180-degree turnaround, saying that there is something to this. And they're saying it's a possible threat to national security. They're still refusing to say that this is actually a technology from another world. They keep alluding to China and Russia and even the U.S. as being possibly responsible for a lot of this stuff. So (laughs) I am waiting for just a flat-out statement saying that this is not us. This is extraterrestrial. And they only used that word once in the initial 144 uh, sightings that were released. So we'll see where this goes. I think disclosure is inevitable at some point. 
Yeah, at, at some point this, being but... at some point being the the keyword. Sorry to cut you off there, Preston. But you were mentioning, uh, you, you know, is it is it adversaries? Uh, so one of the things that uh, the military has apparently told the New York Times in the past few days is that they say that the most resolved cases, so those that have been resolved, those that they have identified or believe that they have identified, are foreign spies or airborne trash. But we know from the report that was released last June, there were many, more than 100 encounters that could not be explained that they investigated, which is really the telling detail there. There. Yeah, and mind you, they're only talking about the past few recent years and are basically ignoring decades of research into this subject. So <laughs> it's hard to take them seriously when they completely gloss over Roswell and all these major cases. I mean, in the congressional hearings, they were asked flat out, have we ever shot at these things? And Moultrie and Daly both said no very quickly. That's demonstrably untrue. I mean, there was the 1942 Battle of L.A., the L.A. air raid, in which we shot some 1,400 rounds of ammunition at these things. We're the ones who are hostile. This is not a hostile phenomenon. It's been around for a very long time. There's no good evidence that this is a danger to humanity. And this, they're still sort of pushing forth this national security threat narrative. This panel that's assembling for NASA, they've been at it now a week, and one of the members includes Scott Kelly. Uh, If I'm not mistaken, didn't Scott Kelly, one of the astronauts, say that he saw UFOs? Ah, I'll have to look that up. I'm not sure. I know there's a good number of astronauts who have made very provocative statements, and some flat out said they have seen them. I mean, Gordon Cooper flat out said that he was there at Edwards Air Force Base when a UFO landed. He didn't see it, but he saw the film. And Edgar Mitchell, of course, has made very, uh, I'd say, positive statements regarding the reality of UFOs. A lot of them have. Uh, I don't know about uh, this guy in particular, but NASA (laughs) um, reporters gave NASA a nickname years ago, meaning NASA stands for Never a Straight Answer. Because there have been so many reports of UFOs, you know, with the Gemini and Apollo missions and the space station from Mir to Skylab to the International Space Station up to the present day. And uh, it boggles the mind that they are not aware of this phenomenon and are just now studying it. I don't believe that for a second. They've been studying this from day one. A hundred thousand dollars nine months, what can we expect that they would find with a budget like that and a timeline like that? Yeah, the Condon Committee, or no, rather the Robertson panel, had, I think it was $300,000 decades ago, <laughs> a lot more money. Uh, yeah, and, and that was $300,000 in, in those days, so uh, given inflation now, it would have been a lot more money, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> So I don't expect this is a serious body at all. This looks like another Project Blue Book, sort of a way to handle the publicity angle of all this. All the real studies are going on in, you know, under wraps. And we're seeing that. I mean, they're saying these are closed-door sessions. Perhaps they are taking them more seriously and we're not hearing about it. 
but it's very interesting to me that we have, you know, senators and representatives and governors and people in high levels of our government really taking this seriously. This is a huge step forward. Well, I'm wondering and why the nine-month deadline, so to speak, uh, out of the gate, it almost reeks of – I believe it was either the Condon report or the Robertson panel where they had the summary page already written before the committee had held its first meeting. Yeah, <laughs> that was the Condon committee, the, the low memo, which came out saying, basically, we don't believe this. We're not supposed to reach conclusions for another year yet, but we're going to reach a negative conclusion. And the entire um, people who were on that panel, except for the leaders, Robert Lowe and the other guy, I forget his name, but they all defected. Uh, Robert Saunders, I believe, actually ended up writing a book called UFOs Yes, revealing this whole fiasco that was <laughs> uh, the content committee. So uh, <laughs> we'll see if that's what's happening right now with NASA and these other study groups. I mean, there's another group that was recently created called the and this is a mouthful, the Airborne Object Identification and Management Group, which I guess is transformed into the AARO, which is another mouthful, the All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office. So this was supposedly created in July 2022 to uh, sync the De Department of Defense and other agencies together to identify UFOs and UAPs over sensitive military installations so we'll see what comes of that but they did lay out their six goals and i'm not happy about it because <laughs> here the first goal okay i can see this it's surveillance and collection and reporting yeah that's basically just identifying ufos uaps the second goal is to determine system capabilities and design which i think is a way of saying you know what are these things and what are they capable of the third goal is to determine intelligence operations and analysis, which I guess is a way of saying what is their agenda of the UAPs. But it's the last three goals that really raise my eyebrows. Goal number four is mitigation and defeat. Direct quote. I'm not sure what that means. Are they planning on mitigating? Yeah, mitigating the threat and, and defeating it. Uh, what, like uh, firing upon these things? Yeah, I mean, honestly, do they really think they're going to have any success with a technology that is, you know, by all reports? I think this is the one thing UFO researchers do agree upon, and certainly contactees, that we're dealing with a superior technology and intelligence. There's no way we're going to be able to mitigate the UFO presence. But it's number five, which is governance. <laughs> So what, what, I don't even know how to take that. Considering uh, these are human, because if they're not human, uh, how can you govern them? Exactly. You're not going to be able to impose Earth laws upon an extraterrestrial species. And the sixth goal is basically science and technology, which I think is basically just saying that, you know, we want the ships. <laughs> we want the craft. We want to know exactly how these things work, and we want this technology. So I think this is ultimately an admission that these are, in fact, ETs. But the real question is, are they truly a threat? 
which I think they're not. I mean, there's no good evidence of that. So we'll see what's, how this is all going to roll out. It's clear disclosure is very tightly controlled. They're playing a game with us. Governments across the world appear to be cooperating with each other to at least a certain extent. But I don't expect the U.S. will be on the forefront of disclosure. I would far, think it far more likely that perhaps Mexico, honestly, or Chile or Brazil, who have been more forthcoming. But I don't know. We'll see. And these events, it's not like they uh, are events of days gone by. Uh, these are recent events. These are the now events that are still happening. In fact, a report even as recent as September 23rd, uh, but a, a wave really that pilots with Southwest and Hawaiian Airlines, but also other airlines were experiencing, including a former military pilot who said that there were multiple aircraft flying above him. In many of these cases, these aircraft are not seen on radar. And so we've seen many of these sightings in this case, they say, reported by dozens of pilots flying across the Pacific Ocean over the past two months. So this is still happening to this day, up in Canada, they're starting to take this situation a little bit seriously, uh, starting to release information which they haven't much before, uh, particularly regarding threats with CF-18 fighter jets and responding to those threats, those UFO threats. Uh, so it does seem like, Preston, we are getting more of this disclosure bit by bit, and we're getting it from pilots, and we're getting it from militaries, and we're getting it from our government. Oh, yeah. Yeah, pilots, this is one really good result of these recent events. Because pilots, we know this as UFO researchers, have basically been gagged um, about in regards to releasing any information on this subject. They would lose their jobs. This is actually one of the incidents that got me involved in UFO research was November 17, 1986, when Captain Kenju Tiroshi of JAL Airlines, Japanese commercial airliner, uh, did have a very close encounter with UFOs, and he did go public and was grounded. Pilots have learned long ago not to speak about this, but now they are coming forward. And mind you, this is not just in our skies. These are objects within our oceans and lakes and rivers. And I thought this was really interesting because that was mentioned in the congressional hearings. And uh, they said, basically, this is a subject for the closed door hearings. We are not going to talk about USOs. So this is just. And an you wrote an entire report. book on that. So that had to be a bit of validation that oh, what they're going to talk about that you wrote in your book, they can't do out in front of God and everyone. They have to do it behind closed doors. Yeah, and supposedly the reason for these closed-door sessions is that we, our government, rather, does not want to reveal their sensing technologies or their ability to you know, detect these things. I think that's sort of a cop-out, honestly. They've never been truthful or transparent on this subject ever. Just recently, uh, the Navy did say that they have many photographs and films of UFOs, but they're not going to release them. 
said flat out, we have some, but we're not going to show you. Uh, and the excuse is, again, <laughs> that our sensing technology, we don't want you know, the Russians or the Chinese or so forth to know what we're capable of seeing. But we all know that our planet is entirely surrounded by satellites. If you've ever seen a map of the number of satellites that surround our planet, it is black with, I mean, we're covered like ants. We know for sure that anything that's flying around is absolutely being detected. Uh, so that excuse just doesn't hold water. There's another reason they're covering this up. And as far as the evidence of people's encounters, we've heard some wild, wild descriptions of these over the years people say you know they feel like they've been frozen in time uh you've encountered some pretty just amazing stories including one in your latest book which is the volume four of not from here selected ufo articles did you ever think that you would when you started on this ufo research trail that you would find such i guess out-of-this-world kind of uh, descriptions that people were telling you? Oh, God, no. No, I came into this field a complete skeptic, utterly naive. I had no idea there was a cover-up. I had no idea that this was a phenomenon that had been going on for decades. I had no idea that there were mountains of evidence that's pretty much conclusive if you do your homework. There's absolutely no way this is explainable as anything other than an extraterrestrial technology. I mean, we have landing trace cases. We have implant removal cases. We have medical evidence, a lot of healings. It's interesting that the government is mentioning injuries and completely ignoring the fact that most major researchers across the planet who deal with contactees have reported people being healed. and a this is largely a benevolent phenomena, and that is not the narrative that's being put forth. So there's a lot of disinformation going on. And I think some of the sightings we're having today are flat-out disinformation. Uh, our own governments flying this technology around to a limited degree. Because if you believe the whistleblower reports, we've certainly reverse-engineered some of these craft. I'll point to the TR-3B. That's getting a lot of buzz as being reverse-engineered ET technology. Mind you, this is not my area of expertise. I pretty much focus on the contactee accounts largely. But you have to sort of <laughs> spread your net wide and watch all that's going on to try and understand this phenomenon because it has just got layers and layers. You've talked about some pretty uh, wild events Aliens levitating, UFOs appearing over mass events, people actually crashing into UFOs. Uh, we've heard about UFOs crashing themselves, uh, people's cars being lifted up, just some absolutely wild stuff. Things left at the scene like angel hair, and I mean, the list goes on and on. Right, right. Yeah, I did this latest book, I did a whole study of UFO collisions. Because in the recent congressional hearings, this was raised as a topic of concern. Yeah, they gave some numbers, and they said uh, basically what? I think it was one near miss, something like that? Don't quote me. Yeah, there, there were several near misses is what they said. 
And I thought, huh, you know, has this ever actually resulted in an accident? And mind you, there are hundreds upon hundreds, well, I'm going to say thousands, if not tens of thousands of pilot encounters. And often they will come quite close to planes. And I found about six cases of possible collisions. Uh, so <laughs> this is clearly so rare as to be statistically insignificant. It's not going to happen. There's, with only six cases out of, what, 10,000, the chances of this being an actual danger to pilots is just not there. It's absolutely statistically insignificant. Preston, uh, I think we have to have you back for a full program on Saturday night. If you'll come back with us, I'd love to talk about some of these strange anomalies. Just an overall wonderful conversation I look forward to having with you. So uh, until Saturday night, uh, friends, we'll talk with Preston Dennett then, okay? Hey, I would love that. Thanks very much. All right, Preston Dennett will be back with us on Saturday night for the full two hours here on Into the Paranormal. Come back with us, and of course, uh, we'll be back tomorrow night as well. And an announcement headed your way uh, as well later in the week. A good news announcement from the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest. Until then, I'm Jeremy Scott. Good night.